Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. It's Roxanne Durhage. I'm a mental health and wellness specialist and a corporate leadership executive coach. My new book, Return on Relationships, launching on June 10th, 2023, introduces the concept of return on relationships, a new metric for business growth. Grab a copy. Let me walk you through how to be a better leader and provide you with exclusive tools to guide you in building your authentic leadership legacy. You can find Link in the show notes to pre-order your copy today. Hope you enjoy. Our interview last week was so good that we decided to turn it into a two-part series. If you missed last week, you'll find the link in the show notes. It's not mandatory that you listen, but we want to make sure that you don't miss out on this amazing conversation. Hi, everyone. It's Roxanne Durhage. Welcome again to Authentic Living with Roxanne. Today, I have a, I would say, a very good friend. Michael Kerr, uh, as you see, he's saying hello to anybody that can see the video. And uh, Michael and I are both uh, members of the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers, where he's a Hall of Famer, which is a big, big deal. He's been doing uh, the speaking for quite a while, and he travels internationally speaking about culture um, and productivity in the workplace. Michael, thanks so much for coming on today. Well, thank you for having me, Roxanne. It's an honor to be here. It's it's so fun to be here. And and do you remember the last time we had a lot of fun? We did. When where were we? Where where were we? <laughs> where were we, Roxanne? We were in beautiful Ireland. In yes, Belfast. absolutely. We had in so Belfast. much fun. We had so much fun. We laughed a lot. We we learned a lot. We talked a lot. And uh, you know, I know this is the space that. Uh, uh, Michael pro- provided many elements where we were giggling um, and learning at the same time in in, in uh, Dublin. So today we're going to talk a little bit about what Michael talks about. And I think Michael naturally is very, very funny. Um, something that I have to work on when I, I know I speak to others. Uh, I'm just thinking the average senior person that's here, when I think of corporate culture, and change that takes a lot. So let's say you're a senior leader and you're listening to this and there's been a lot of issues in your environment. What are some of the things that they should start thinking? They might say, oh, this would be nice to implement, but we've had a lot of things not go so well. If I'm starting to think of an overall corporate strategy about changing my culture and having people lighten up, what are some of the things that I should be thinking about? As a, as a senior leader. And, yeah, and that's and, had some stuff happen that has maybe not been so nice. Sure. And, and back to your earlier point, Roxanne, too, right? It's not rocket science, right? We want to work with people who have a good sense of humor. They're more likable. So as a senior leader, this is really important. So I think it, it starts with self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And it, it starts by just reflecting on your own attitude, how you're coming across. Are you not just approachable? But I like to use the language over approachable because we know just from nature of your position, just from nature of the power that you hold with your job title, 
you can be scary to a lot of your employees. And if you want to create that psychological psychological safety in your workplace where employees can come to you with challenging questions and their concerns and their great ideas that you may be missing out on, you have to be uber over approachable. So being aware of just bringing a certain lightness and levity to how you interact with your employees, how you connect with them, being present, taking the time to connect with them is so important. And again, circling back to that idea of just laughing at yourself more, it is absolutely so, so important. So just being overly approachable with your sense of humor is, it may sound very simplistic, but it really is a key to so, so much. And that means you've got to as you said earlier, you've got to be a little vulnerable sometimes mm -hmm. to be able to laugh at yourself. It's not always going to work. Uh, but the more you do that, the more you're going to create that, that tone, that lightness. And so then I would suggest that people look for those, those touch points that are so critical in an organizational culture to start to change the, the culture, to change the, the feeling of, of, of the workplace, like meetings. Meetings are incredibly important as a touch point in my books. Meetings help reflect or should reflect the culture that you want. And they also help create or foster that the culture you want. So if you want a fun, creative, innovative, positive, humane workplace culture, then boy, you better make sure your meetings are fun and innovative and humane and positive and all that good stuff. So making sure you're bringing humor into your meetings I think is really, really important because that's, that sends a message too that can infiltrate the entire culture, right? That can, that can spread out to the entire culture like a wave. If you start lightening up at your meetings and, and bring a little more fun into your meetings. And there's so many ways to do that. There are tons <laughs> of ways to do that. Opening up your meeting with a fun icebreaker where you, you pass an imaginary ball of energy around the way I get people to do sometimes in my audience or you have people stand up and everybody at the same time, so nobody feels put on the spot, everybody spells their name using only the movement of their hips. Just something totally silly to get people laughing. Are you kidding? <laughs> I am not kidding. It's a great, it's a great exercise. Even a Scientific America study, Roxanne, found that the most effective meetings are those meetings that have a lot of humor and joking around in them and bantering them because people are more honest. People open up more and they're more creative and more innovative. Um, putting in a little humor break in the middle of your meeting, having, having just a fun question where you go around the room, just something simple. You know, we used to have the rumor mill section in meetings that I managed many years ago where you had to, everybody had to do it the same way. You had to look up and down the table, lean in and then whisper word on the street is, and then share your rumor. And it made it kind of goofy and playful, which allowed people to share some uncomfortable things they had been hearing that otherwise they might not have wanted to share. So we did we did all sorts of fun things in our meetings. What, did, what, did, what a nice thing, right? Because yeah. the rumor mill is oftentimes something that can go toxic and can end up being really, really uh, detrimental to uh, a team or a culture. But the fact that you can make fun of it, oh yeah, I heard so-and-so is doing this and you kind of get it out there it, you know, in the open and where people can then laugh about it and go, oh my goodness, you heard this or that. I love that. I, I've never heard about that. The hip one is the, the, the best so far though. I have to admit, I have to 
try to see where I could use that. But that's how funny could that be, right? Yeah, um, right. And, and, and when you get people laughing in those serious situations, it, it just makes a world of difference in terms of how the conversation unfolds. And you can do it in virtual meetings, you can do it in person meetings, it doesn't matter. But again, back to my central point here, meetings are an incredibly important touch point. Get your meetings right. And that can have at least a starting point on on your culture. And then and then beyond that, of course, it's everything is, is communication, right? It's all about communication, communication, communication. So as a senior leader, talking about this stuff, first of all, when you're presenting to your team, to your organization, lightening up, using a lot of humor, laughing at yourself helps a lot. It helps you again, be more likable. So they're more apt to listen to your message and buy your message, we know from the research but also just using every communication opportunity point to send messages about your culture. I mean, really, we're talking about values here, right? And, right, and of course, of course. Making sure that everyone understands what your cultural norms are, that your values actually mean something, right? That, that you're, you're not just getting your team together once a year and holding hands and singing, we are the world, because your values make you feel so good. As I always say, right? Who's going to disagree with your wonderful list of values? Every company has a wonderful list of values. In fact, some of your competitors probably have the exact same list as you do. So why are some organizations rocking it, some teams rocking it, and some not? It's because of those cliche sayings, actions speak louder than words and talk is cheap. So as a senior leader, you need to really, really clearly define what your values actually really mean in terms of everyone's behavior and attitude. Turn them into stories, turn them into examples, celebrate your employees that are superheroes when it comes to living your values out loud. And I, I would say, you know, you, you know, when you talk about it, because you know, in my new book, I talk, there's different uh, modules, but one of them obviously is awareness for leaders or uh, relational transparency, like how transparent are you? You think you might be one way, but spending that time within yourself, let's say you're not so funny, you may be a little bit more stoic, but you really want to be a little bit lighter. You don't have to be silly all the time. You can actually be light and have people get to know you a little bit better, which will kind of maybe rev up the engine for you to maybe try something a little bit lighter as you go. So you don't have to go from zero to a hundred because then people will probably think, okay, something's gone horribly wrong here. Right. But and you're not being very authentic. Right, right. It's like, oh, stoic guy to funny guy. One day, people are probably going to run for the you, hills. You turn into Michael Scott from The Office, and everyone starts cringing. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, now, Mike, you have you ever seen people try to apply the concept of humor, and it 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 kind of didn't work for them? Like some don'ts of things where people have gone and said, "Oh, we're gonna. This is this new strategy." Uh, we think we're just going to, you know, apply it to a workplace, not just humor, but just transparency or whatever. And overall, with you doing the corporate culture work that you do, some things that you've seen people try that you think, oh, they should have not done it this way. Well, I just have to look at myself to see when humor bombs sometimes, right? Because mm -hmm. it doesn't always work, right? But that's about, again, going back to just being more human, being more real, more authentic, and, and, and I wanna circle back to that point you made too, Roxanne, about some people just not being very funny. And I do wanna stress that it's not about being funny, right? Mm -hmm. Having a sense of humor is about just being more, more human, more real, about having a sense of balance and perspective. And again, just laughing at those things you have no control over. So the worst mm -hmm. thing you can do is try too hard to be funny. 
right? It is about just being your authentic self. And some of the most inspiring leaders, inspiring CEOs that I've interviewed all over the world are introverts. And not only are they introverts, they're, they're shy in some cases. And yet they've told me that they, they understand, they're, they're self-aware enough to know they cannot hide behind those natural personality tendencies. They understand the job of a leader is to connect with their employees, is to build that, that environment. They are the orchestra conductors when it comes to setting the tone for the workplace. And they have to get beyond those natural tendencies to sit in their office all day and, and be kind of stoic and not connect with people. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is really just about looking for those simple things that you can do. I, I, I don't have any examples really of organizations that have maybe, maybe tr- I mean, one-offs, yes. I think the biggest mistake organizations make is that they, they will try a few things and then they fall to the wayside very quickly. So then it looks like it's the fad of the month. It looks like it's just a Band-Aid. It's window dressing, right? Because they're not taking it seriously. So what matters is consistency over time. What matters is looking for those, those moments, those touch points where we can change the culture. I'm a huge fan of rituals and traditions at work. Mm-hmm. Almost mm-hmm. every great organization I've interviewed is a huge believer in rituals and traditions because they help define the culture. They help shape the culture. They give it an identity and rituals and traditions give employees something to look forward to and something to reminisce about. It creates that sense of shared history on your team in your organization. And so if you can ritualize or traditionalize, is that a word, Roxanne? I don't know. We'll make it a word. Traditionalize? We just just made one up. (laughs) We can make them up. Sure. Uh, If if you turn some of those habits, those behaviors that you want to turn into habits into rituals or traditions and stick to them, then your odds of succeeding are far, far greater. And so again, if you wanna create a lighter workplace environment, look for opportunities to create rituals and traditions. It could be something fun to kick off the work week with on a Monday morning. Maybe as a lot of my clients do, it's a team huddle on a Friday afternoon where Mm -hmm. it's very much a spirit of celebration where they welcome any new people that started this, that week in a fun way where they celebrate the top three wins of the week. And, and it's a way of just leaving on a high note. Maybe it's a ritual tradition to celebrate certain milestones that you mm-hmm. achieve on your team or in your organization. There's so many milestones and rituals and, and traditions that can help build a stronger culture. And some of them are fairly simple. You know, I, I know of one client where they do, I love this because it's so simple, third person Thursdays where Everybody who works there every Thursday refers to themselves in the third person. In other words, by their own name, right? So anybody could do that. It doesn't matter if you're a real introvert. It's pretty easy to do that, right? Everybody, you know, if I was working there, I'd say, hey, yeah, Mike's looking forward to the meeting later on. Like, how stupid is that? But it just puts a smile on everyone's face and everyone looks forward to it. Another one of my clients. How silly are you? Yeah. yeah. Everybody's thinking everybody else is silly. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's awesome. You know, simple little things like a name tag Friday, where everyone wears one of those "Hello, my name is." But every week, you have to answer a different question that you put down mm-hmm. on the name tag. It could be something as dirt simple as, you know, are you a dog or cat person? What's your favorite James Bond movie? What's your dream vacation destination? So it just becomes a fun way to 
connect with people in a different way. It just creates this little bit of lightness. So there's simple little things like that you can do. It, it could even be just a matter of, of a fun morning huddle where you meet every morning just as a touch point. I know this group of engineers where they, they meet every morning, there's about 15 of them, and once they're all in their open office, they all stand up and they all shout out how they're just feeling on a scale of one to 10. Dirt simple, wow, it takes like wow. a minute. So and some some basics, points. right? Basic things. Basic things, yeah. Because you're gonna Basics. get down to business at some point. Yeah. Um, or even things like, I guess, like a nickname could be something or- oh, so you know, many, so just, many things. Yeah, what's one thing you, you know, a, a myth or a fact about you. There's so many ways that you can do it so that people lighten up. And at the end of the day, you talked a little bit about psychological safety. You know, with me, with the work that I do, it's really about giving people people permission to be themselves. And when people are able to, to show you who they are, um, then even if they make a mistake, they feel okay coming forward. And then people risk that much more, right? Absolutely. It, it Psychological safety is, for me, probably the biggest piece of the puzzle mm -hmm. when we talk about creating healthier workplace cultures if you don't have psychological safety there are so many issues that fall out of that and when you do have psychological safety it opens up just so many possibilities for everyone and you know when I, when i've interviewed employees at really great workplaces and one of the things i've always asked them is is this the best place you've ever worked or what is it that makes you so happy in this workplace? The number one answer I get, in fact, Roxanne, the number one answer is, this is the first workplace where I finally feel like I can be myself, where I can mm -hmm. just bring myself to work all day. And it's right. awesome. It's so stressful not being yourself all day. It takes a lot of mental energy and wear and tear on your psyche so just being able to be myself it's just it's so fabulous so impressive you know i think of the my um one of my best bosses off often like ever ever in all my all my jobs and he i would enter his office and he would say durhaj what do you want and i'm like <laughs> like anybody's looking in would go oh my god and he'd be like not you again what do you want now and that was how he because he joked all the time right he goes oh no you it better be something good. You're here again. And we would joke around and laugh because he would see me coming and down the hall, he'd, he'd, he'd belt that out, you know, and then at first people would be like, oh, they don't have a good relationship. It honest to goodness was the best relationship because he knew I would be, I would joke around, he would joke around. And I, I mean, I was newer to my career at that point in consulting, but what it does, it just lightened me up. Right. I yeah. knew a lot about the field, but I was different to the sector. And then, I, you know, we would joke, we would laugh. I would learn to your point as a good example. And still he will go down in history as being the best boss I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Right? Which is saying a lot, right? It, yeah. It yeah. Such a difference. Safety plus humor, because you can't engage in humor if it, there's not safe, because if people feel unsafe, it's going to be sarcasm or um, unsteadiness, right? And then that, that again, could go in the opposite way of people feeling like maybe marginalized or that their boss is toxic. So they really has to be that element of trust, your point, to be able to get the permission to make a joke or be kind of light as well. Right, right. And humor researchers have identified four different styles of humor, four different types of humor, which I talk about in my book, The Humor Advantage, and two of them are very positive humor. So for the most part, that's what we want to obviously be celebrating in the workplace. Two of the styles are very negative, like sarcasm, 
However, I would point out, just as you said, that all depends on the nature of the relationship and that level right. of trust. Right. And if you've worked with your boss or a colleague for 15 years mm -hmm. and you have a high level of trust and you know each other very well, chances are you're going to be sarcastic from time to time with one another and it's okay. But if you're sarcastic to the employee who just started this morning, yeah, maybe you <laughs> might want to reconsider that. Not so much. No, you mentioned your books. So tell us the names of your three books. You've got the humor advantage. The other two are yes, my well, these are my last my last three books. The uh, so out, the humor out of advantage how many? about out, out of how many that have out been? Of, I have eight books total. My goodness, wow! Oh, I did oh, not know that. My goodness, that is weird, no. wild stuff. Yes, I have eight. Wow. Some of them have nothing to do with the workplace, though. I have a wildlife watching guide, Roxanne. Oh, okay. Not too yeah, much. I think you told me about that. Okay, yes. so the last three. So are... the last, yeah, the last three. <laughs> Are, well, the humor advantage, why some businesses are laughing all the way to the bank, which focuses okay. on the role of humor and building a positive. It's really about workplace culture, the book. Right, uh, right. And then hire, inspire, and fuel their fire. How to recruit, onboard, and train new employees to live your culture out loud. It's a very quick read, but it, it, it's a little guide on a really important topic that we haven't touched on. And that's if you want to work with great people who have great senses of humor, who are a fit for your culture, then get your hiring right. Everything starts with hiring and onboarding and training. I've had so many leaders who say, oh, 80%, 90% of the battle is making sure you get your hiring right. So investing in your hiring matters. And then the jerk-free workplace, how you can take the lead to create a happier, more inspiring workplace. And that's all about, really, it's about frontline leadership and the idea that not only do we want to make sure we're creating a jerk-free workplace, because that's not a lot of fun, uh, we want to encourage everybody in our organizations to step up as a leader, no matter what their position is, and to embrace that role as a frontline leader. And it just makes sense to me that if we encourage more leaders in our organization, we can't help but be more successful. Now, for anybody that has heard this interview today and would like um, to get in contact with you to understand what you do um, uh, with culture or, I, you know, Michael Keynote speaks, I think that's predominantly most of your business. Tell them a little bit about where they could buy the books or also where they could connect with you to, um, to do some work with you. Yeah, thank you for that, Roxanne. So, so my books are all available on Amazon. If you wanted bulk orders of books, for a discounted price, then you can reach out to me. My website is www.mikekerr.com, M-I-K-E-K-E-R-R.com. All my contact is in there. There's lots of videos and, and blogs and articles. And I would invite you to sign up for my weekly newsletter, Inspiring Workplaces, where I talk about all that stuff. And if you want to get in touch with me directly, you can reach me by email, mike at mikekerr.com. Awesome. Well, Michael, this has been great. I miss giggling with you and I know I do too. Jennifer Spear, who is I, equally yeah. as funny, you too. I, I have a lot to learn from you two funny people. <laughs> um, as, I, as I spend more time with you two. So for everyone, what, what did I learn today? I says, you know, I talk a lot about um, psychological safety in the workplace. And, you know, the more you're able to understand and spend the time introspectively with yourself as a leader, you're able to understand what it takes for people to connect to you, spend that time. And in my new book, which is now in pre-launch, uh, ROR, Return on Relationships, um, you can pre-order that now and it'll get into things like 
connection, relational transparency, um, communication, all the elements that helps you be a more secure leader within yourself and then impact others. So um, you can uh, pre-order today at roxanderhodge.com forward slash book, and it'll be sent out to you and it will be available at Amazon on June 10th. So Michael, again, thanks so much for your time and um, hope we'll see you hopefully before Quebec. But if not, we'll see you. We, we will giggle somewhere virtually. For sure. For sure. Uh, maybe happy hour. I know you yes. run the happy hour. Yes. There you go. For congratulations so on the book, Roxanne. I can't wait to read it. And I can't wait to interview you. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxannederhage.com slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.